It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today we will explore the iconic jazz venue that has essentially and forever changed the jazz scene in Denver, Colorado called Dazzle Jazz. Our guest is the owner of this revered venue, Donald Rossa, whom I would say is a kid in a candy store, (laughs) and I'll explain that later. Donald, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You know, there's so many things about Dazzle that are are just uh, amazing and so many different facets to explore here. But let me start a little bit just about yourself. Now, you've been involved with Dazzle for a number of years now, uh, and of course you did not originally open it yourself, but then came on as a business partner uh, at one point. Tell us uh, a little bit about you. How how long have you been in Denver, and what's your connection to jazz itself? Well, um, I actually uh, came to uh, Colorado Springs in 1979 by way of uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, a suburb of Milwaukee. Most of my uh, life was by my parents was filled with and grandparents was filled with uh, music in some uh, vein or another and then uh, I was uh, always a kind of a musical study when it came to uh, did a lot of vocals when I was growing up and um, played the drums for a short period of time and but uh, I, I had always uh, was managing bands or uh, producing music in some form or another for uh, a little bit of my youth. But then I got into the, the uh, restaurant business. Uh, it was a restaurant called JoJo's in Waukesha. And um, I was selected to go on the opening team to open up a JoJo's in Colorado Springs. Uh, so that was in 1979. I was over there on Academy Boulevard. An academy place, but I had been in the restaurant business for since I was uh, 14 years old. I'm now 60, um, and uh, and I was transplanted to uh, Colorado Springs, and two years later moved up to Denver and worked for that particular organization for about 10 years, and, and then after that I worked with the uh, Grisanti's restaurant organization and finished with Fuzzy's in the Cherry Creek Mall as a vice president uh, with that company. And then uh, the Piatti Restaurant Corporation, which is also in Cherry Creek, as a vice president. And then a um, common friend who's a restaurant consultant up here in uh, Denver named John Nembergamo had a common friend, which was Miles Snyder and Karen Stork, a husband and wife team that uh, had opened up Dazzle back in uh, 1997 and they weren't doing as well. She was a, a uh, she's the, uh, a wonderful cook and a wonderful host and she wanted to open up a restaurant and her husband agreed. He was the jazz lover and they opened a restaurant uh, and they really didn't know the ins and outs of the, of the business. So John had introduced me. I had been looking for a restaurant to Karen and Miles. And I kind of came, was kind of that, that visionary place uh, where I wanted to be somewhere in Denver and, and, and open up a, a facility that was an establishment that 
kind of it was kind of about my youth and that that was uh you know presenting food around a table and music playing in the background you know i grew up around pocos and things like that with my grandmother and grandfather who were uh from slovenia immigrants and but you know our, our life was always filled with food and music and right before i had purchased dazzle i I went on a on a family journey to uh, discover my roots, to go back to our, our country where we came from, that was Slovenia. And I understood why my grandparents raised us the way we did and our, and our parents. There was just this fulfillment of music everywhere you went and food and, and community coming together. And that was, you know, basically my, my vision was to bring whole thing back to uh, a concept and when i was entering this agreement to, uh, to be a partner with uh, an eventual owner of uh, dazzle in uh, 2001 you know shortly thereafter uh, we became uh, involved with uh, 9-11 and so my conceptual thing is well what do we do and and you know it was you know moment in time of the great American experience and, and feeling and, and unity and people coming together. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I, uh, Miles was heavy into jazz. And, and so we decided we're going to make a jazz club because at that time, um, Vartans was uh, closing and there, there were no one was filling that gap of of having a jazz club. And that was kind of the beginnings of, of Dazzle as, as far as a jazz venue. It's really, uh, to me, kind of mystifying uh, how quickly Dazzle became such a branding for Denver and jazz. You mentioned Vartans. There was also, as you know, uh, El Chapultepec. Dazzle seems like it's been there for years and years and years, but yet it's only 1997. And it had been there as long as, let's say, Birdland or the Village Vanguard. How did you create such a mystique? When I when I got this hankering, I, the, the first thing I did was go out to New York City and, and watch how they were doing things and, you know, came back because the other jazz club you had going out at the time, too, was Sambuca. And, um, you know, as a corporate vice president for a restaurant group, you kind of take a look at, you know, what is there, what is out there, and how do you bring people around music and, and food and community? And like I said, the, the, the passion at that time was, you know, was 9-11. And, and just to remember the the, the spirit of, of uh, people coming together, you know, around our flag and, and that sort of thing. But then I just took a, a great study of jazz it, and everything that it came from, and it was, it, it just tore at my heart and as far as what I wanted to do. So in, in answering the question, then I, I, I reached out to, uh, you know, my, my first person was, was Bob Montgomery and said, you know, Bob, I need a list. I need a list of every player that's in Denver and and how we can start playing jazz. And he gave me the local List with Billy Tolis and uh, Nat Yarborough and um, all of these iconic people at that time who have since passed. But uh, I got to know these guys and we started putting them on, on stage and, and people were just like, it was this community that needed, that lost its sense of place when Vartans closed. We still had El Chapultepec 
you know, people were going to for the, you know, the iconic visionary thing that, you know, Jerry had going on. When you become involved in this community, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a small community. It's a, uh, but, but they're all passionate to each other, you know, because then you, you learned about uh, Dick and there was Shirley Beatty. I mean, there was just all of these people. And, and so the more, more music we did, the more it was, it, when we had first Dazzle, I mean, it was this place that no one came to except for the bar. And, and we had this, this dining room about 2,000 square feet. And I said, let's just try putting some music on stage and see what happens. And kind of following in that footsteps of uh, you know, the jazz clubs that were in New York and kind of finding that middle ground between what El Chapultepec was doing and what Sambuca was doing and, and really reaching out to community. It, it makes sense in the direction that you took. And, and, and I think you brought up a key word here that I, I think is still essential to the fabric of what Dazzle is today, and that's community. And I say that because I, I think the Denver community has really embraced and taken hold of the fact that, hey, you know what? This is our place. And, and, and I think that's part of uh, the environment uh, and a vision that you had is to engulf the community in a sense of belonging. This is your place and come on down. You're exactly right. You know, and the, the other thing that really was inspiring were the schools and learning about these teachers and and so you had, you know, UNC, CU, DU, all with great musical jazz programs. And these people had no sense of a uh, place to play. And yet all these iconic people like Ron Miles and Eric Gunnison and Paul Romaine and Mark Simon and uh, Jeff Jenkins. I mean, the, the, the list just goes on and on. And, um, but there was no place for people to play and to you know, really express their, their uh, artistic abilities and to this form called jazz, you know, in this, in this region. And the other fun thing about that time period too was, you know, it was also kind of Kubo's beginnings too. You know, I think they're about 10 years uh, older than we are, but Kuva was just starting to come of age too and becoming, you know, one of the number one radio stations in, you know, in the United States. And, but again, I mean, you come back to this, it, it was, there was this community and there, and it's still strong today. And, and, and I think, well, I don't think I know that the students that are being uh, taught this, you know, this wonderful music, it's coming out of all these schools and it's keeping, you know, jazz and the music alive. Well, and the other part of the community, and you've alluded to it, uh, is with KUVO, which is also ingrained in the community. Denver is just a really special place, but yet you've been able to take this Denver community and expand the world to a global concept, just like Dazzle is internationally known. KUVO is also that, but yet uh, you remain true and local to the community that you serve. And, and I think that's really, really important and part of the success. And you also just mentioned uh, about uh, some of the, uh, the schools and the younger people involved. And I know that through the years, uh, Dazzle was very uh, much ingrained in that. Uh, and some of it came about uh, as a result of your association with the Metropolitan Jazz Orchestra. 
And uh, that eventually expanded out to bringing in some of the young people and the creation of that legacy for the future of jazz uh, with the Jim Mick doing the MJO, the Metropolitan Jazz Orchestra, and then eventually incorporating the kids playing on stage at Dazzle. What a, what a great experience. Thank you. No, it's, uh, I, I can remember that big band because big band, you know, we, we put, uh, you know, 22, 24 pieces onto a relatively small stage and, and just, you know, blew the roof off that building. <laughs> but with, uh, you know, just, you know, big, beautiful music, every performance, you know, you, you, you just watch and, and uh, it's amazing. Well, it's true. And, and you've also created an environment at Dazzle, I believe, which has been user-friendly, if you will, for the musicians, because it must be a venue that musicians love to come to because you have been able to draw in some of the biggest names in the world of jazz. Yeah. It, and, you know, but I will give credit to where credit's due, and, and that's been to a wonderful team of music, I don't want to call them, they're, they're my artistic uh, people that have really not only enlightened me, but enlightened our community from Tyler Gilmore to Steve Denny to Brooks Brown and Kevin Lee. Um, you know, each of them brought, letting them expand upon their knowledge of the music, their relationships in building with people and really letting them have, um, it's, it's, it's hard if without those individuals with each one of them and their ear and their, their patience and their, those guys, you know, I, I, I tried to let them have without uh, micromanaging so much, having the ability to be the artistic directors of, of Dazzle. And each one of them today, you know, is, is musically, you know, phenomenal in their own right. And um, so, again, I, I call out to, uh, to Steve Deddy, to Tyler Gilmore, to Brooks Brown, and to Kevin Lee for the tremendous job that they did in actually bringing those artistic uh, people to the stage. Well, you, you've done a, a great job at that, uh, and it, it is important that you surround yourself with a great team, and you have obviously done that and develop a, a place in the world for you because uh, you've even been named continuously as one of the top 100 jazz clubs in the world by Downbeat and other publications that have your respect uh, within the business uh, itself. Now, the beginnings uh, for Dazzle started out at 9th and Lincoln, uh, and then uh, that changed in 2017 when you moved to a new location. But when you were at 9th and Lincoln, what, um, first of all, where does Dazzle come from? Where does that name come into play? That was, uh, you know, Karen Stork uh, developed the name Dazzle. It had a lot to do with the, the Art Deco era and, um, you know, where jazz kind of, um, you know, the, the, the beginning of the actual art form to the stage, you know, happening, uh, I, I kind of call it my current roadmap from the the uh, pandemic of 1918. And, and what evolved out of that was, you know, the Art Deco era where music 
became, you know, this this elegant feature. And Karen kind of saw what was happening with jazz in the Art Deco era. When it first opened, it was a lot of the colors and shapes and everything else were were about that. And uh, that's how she determined the name Dazzle. I, I think it's still reflective today in, in what you have uh, at your place uh, at the current location. So the club developed and uh, flourished for some 20-odd years in uh, the Ninth and Lincoln location, but then uh, with stars in your eyes and uh, hope for a great future, you moved to uh, the Bauer Building uh, in uh, downtown on uh, Curtis, and, and I'm sure that's where you uh, embraced what you thought would be, if you'll pardon the expression, a dazzling future for you. And you went into this 18,000 square foot place. Uh, that, that's huge compared to what you had at 9th and Lincoln. Well, you know, I, I, I always call them, my, you know, the 9th the and Lincoln, my New York store. And I call uh, this one more of my New Orleans club. You know, unfortunately, we had lost our ability to lease the space on 9th and Lincoln. You know, so it was either a decision to close it or to, or, or but then a, a great man called David Spira, who owns the building, who's also very uh, musically involved in our community, we made an agreement to move over to the Dazzle at Bowers building. Spent uh, quite a number of years develop, redeveloping that building, and uh, which was, you know, has its own musical beginnings in its own right. But it, it was a great transitional experience. You know, I remember uh, we were coming to the end of what we thought Dazzle was going to be, and there's David Spiras sitting watching a show. And I said, Dave, you know, David, what's happening to your building? He goes, Well, I'm about to lose my tenant. And I go, well, you know, let's let's have a talk. And so a, a lot of credits due to that man. He's he's given us the ability to continue to grow the concept and to make sure that music lives and keeps on living. Well, um, it, it was so kismet. I, you know, but I also took on some great partners too, Austin Andres and Jan Cleveland and Matt Ruff, who have been, you know, Matt's been with me for uh, 18 years, and you know he's been the one of my gems of the of the establishment as well, running the operation. Well, of course, now being in the Bauer Building, which is uh, a historic building in downtown Denver, and was also uh, the location for a well-known candy store and candy manufacturer. That's why I call you a, a kid in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that out of respect and reverence for you, because now that you're in this candy store, you're like any kid that would be in a candy store. You know, there are all sorts of wonderful things before your eyes, and, and, and you see so many sweet things coming your way as a result of that. And you started to build this uh, wonderful new history for Dazzle. But then the pandemic come along and kind of threw a curve to you. Well, you know, I, I think this business is and this music is always going to be about curves, and and it's how we how we choose to look at 
life and how we choose to um, deal with the current situations. Like I said, we started Dazzle at the year of 9-11. And so I look at that curve and then I look at all the other things throughout the 23 years that have transpired. But uh, again, you can take the history of jazz and take it back to the pandemic of 1918. And the roadmaps there, all we have to do is uh, learn from it and, and follow, follow some of the lessons. Jazz became what it is through a lot of the lessons of, of the last pandemic. And so I've been studying that whole 10 years time frame from you know 1918 all the way to the you know 30s and just watching how the evolution of jazz kind of happened and, and just trying to use that same thing um you know jazz had it you know has had its glory days many many times and but if you look at what happened in you know the early 1920s and the the, the true explosion of the original art form what everybody learned to do was improvise. Jazz like-minded people are the greatest improvisers. And you, you take a look at a situation and okay, team, let's come together and how do we improvise and let's keep on improvising. And back in March, you know, it, it was sad that all of a sudden, you know, you had to shut down the bricks and mortar, but it, it certainly didn't shut down our team. Okay, now what do we do was more of the, what we were looking at. and. And whether it was back in 1918 to the 20s that developed the, you know, the Art Deco and the, the whole jazz era, my thing was, you know, let's keep the community together. And so I, I knocked on people's doors as, as, you know, as much as I could. And, and I knocked on Sandra at Jazz at Jack's, Laura at Herb's, Anna and Angela over at the Peck, Mighty Fine Productions, knocked on their door. You know, and I'm just still constantly knocking on doors to say, okay, let's let's come together tighter and tighter as a community. Let's win the day. And funny thing is, I, I keep on telling people this. I disconnected my Infinity Comcast cable television four months ago, and I haven't watched TV since. And and I've been putting all my energies into, you know, where can we play music? Who are the people that are involved with this? I have developed a, a fond relationship with Dwight Thompson and with uh, Jimmy Dean, you know, Colin Bricker, you know, just all these these people that, you know, were unrelenting and where can we play music, you know, and and uh, follow the guidelines and but let's get these musicians playing and let's keep the art form going. Uh, you, you see all these I was starting just to see too much negativity, but every time you know, I'm still hearing it is, okay, let's play more music. You know, let's get the true freedom of, uh, of, of expression and which is the arts going. And it's, it's amazing. I was pushing artists when this first happened. What do you have? What do you want to put on? And, and we formulated a whole new campaign. It's called Dazzle Presents rather than, you know, Dazzle at, at Bowers. We kind of project that bricks and mortar is not going to be until probably sometime next year. But so where do we play music? I'm going to be late for a meeting with a guy that has a garage and down the street here and he wants to do music. The plant shop, they want to do music. You know, we're doing music in the building where I live, a monthly concert. And 
you know, we're, we're just, and it's just amazing to watch the people, you know, for every, for everything I'm not hearing good, it's just like, how can I multiply that by playing more music? And because the true joy at the end of the day is to watch those musicians perform and the smiles on their face and that inner reaction and that communication and that just translates right to the people that are watching and embracing the music. And I'm telling you, I'm busier than ever, you know, trying to make things work with live streaming. And there are just, there are opportunities and you have to continuously grow the music. And the point I want to make is now all these, all these musicians have now absorbed this experience called COVID epidemic. Four months later, you know, these songs are starting to come out and these feelings are starting to come out. And and, and to me, that's true expression. And that's true, you know, working with all of these people that are taking the moment to deal with the situation. It's another part of life that deserves uh, expression. Well, and music is at the heart of it. And it's what it's all about. And I, I think in the interest of time, Donald, maybe what we should do at this point is to say part two is coming your way next and we can talk more about Dazzle Presents and the future of the brick and mortar part of Dazzle as well, if that would be acceptable to you. I think it is very much so. And I would love to continue this conversation because I think if I were to go home and look up uh, improviser uh, or the word optimist in the dictionary, we'd probably see your picture. Uh, thank you very much. It's a great honor. I'm deeply humbled just to be able to continue to pr present. And we will continue this presentation uh, at a later time. So stand by. There's more to come. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with Donald Rasa of the iconic Dazzle Jazz of Denver, Colorado. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. Please join us for part two of our conversation with Donald Rossa of Dazzle Jazz, which will be published this Friday, October 2nd. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the app you used to listen to us. We have new podcasts every Wednesday. You may subscribe for free. We are now heard on all top platforms, as well as Facebook and our website, allthatsjazz.net.